0: This teaching is brought to you by Christian Family Church International. We just worship you this morning, Father. It is so good to be in your presence, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You said it. Two or more gathered in your name, Jesus. Oh, Jesus, you are right here with us today. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your Word. And thank you, Lord God, for this great honour that I have to share the Word today. But I know I can do nothing without you, Lord. And so I give myself completely to you, Holy Spirit. We honour you as the teacher, and we thank you that this will be a word, good seed into a good soil of our hearts that will be a mighty harvest in our lives in the mighty name of Jesus. Anyone say Amen. Well, family, I just want to say a big, big thank you to mom and dad, Apostle C and Dr. Bev, this wonderful opportunity to be able to share the word with you, and I'm really so honored. And I am so excited because it's 20 more days and it's Christmas. Yeah. How many of you love Christmas? I mean, come on. And you know what I love as well is, you know, even, I mean, unbelievers, They don't even know the reason for the season, but they love Christmas anyway. And I believe it's just because there's a change in the atmosphere. I'm kind of starting to feel it already. You know, you see the lights and hear the music and, and I mean, it's all there. And You know, that joy and peace and goodwill to all mankind. Well, I speak that over your Christmas for sure. I think for me, the greatest thing about Christmas is this, is that it's God's expression of how much He loves us because it's all about Jesus, amen, family. And so, yeah, Christmas, I think, for me, is just simple and, and, and special and, and really just a time that's so personal of reflecting on the goodness of God and how much He does care for us. And you know what? The Bible tells us that nothing, 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 nothing can separate us from His love. Isn't that the truth? So this morning, I wanna talk to you about some wise men. And just as a foundation, I just wanna kind of maybe throw over some myths that we may have picked up from looking at lots of Christmas cards and lots of nativity plays about the wise men. May I do that? The first thing is this, is there were not three wise men. Okay, (laughs) nowhere in the Bible does it say there were three wise men. In actual fact, if you look at the historical records, it looks like there could have been as many as 12 and then they were still their whole sort of you know, entourage that, that were traveling along with them. So the Bible, in actual fact, doesn't even say there were three gifts. What it does say is this, it says that there are three categories of gifts, right? And these were very carefully selected because the gold represented the fact that Jesus is a king. The frankincense is in relation to the fact that he is divine, that he is in fact the son of God, and the myrrh is in relation to his humanity. The other thing I find very interesting about the wise men is that Matthew is in fact the only one that speaks about this visitation from these eastern kings, or, or wise men as they're also called Secondly, I think the thing that we always see in Christmas cards and plays places, the shepherds and the little sheep bleating and the wise men with their gifts. Well, the wise men actually didn't arrive on the night that Jesus was born. They did not actually come to the stable where Jesus was in a manger. In actual fact, what happened was they saw the star on the night that Jesus was born and they started following the star, and it actually took them nearly two years before they got to Jerusalem. Isn't that interesting? So I told you all that because I'm taking a little bit of poetic license with the title of my message, which is, what happens when you follow a star and you find a stable? So let's make this a little bit more personal, family. How about you and I? When we had this great expectation of something that's gonna be amazing, and we get there and it's like, not amazing. Or else we kind of, you know, what we thought was gonna happen, didn't happen. And what we thought we were gonna see, we so didn't see. And that thing that we felt we were gonna experience, we didn't feel any of it. So, what happens when you've been following a star, an expectation, and then you find a stable? You see, if I go back to the beginning of last year, I mean, we, it was 2020, and man, we were so excited about 2020, we couldn't wait for it. I mean, 2020 speaks of perfect sight, perfect vision as it were. And I mean, we just thought we were gonna see everything so clearly. I mean, it was gonna be there right in front of us and we were literal and we were spiritual and, and we couldn't wait. I mean, it was gonna be right in front of us and right before us and January came and we following our star and February came and we were following following a star and March came and nobody was marching. Anyway, (laughs) everything came to a grinding halt. I mean, nothing happened. And we just didn't see the star anymore. And all we were looking at was a stable. Now I'm not saying your home is a stable. What I am saying is that we were sitting in a circumstance that we were not expecting, right? So I want to take you now to this beautiful story, and we find it in Matthew chapter 2, and this is really about the visitation of the wise men. of After months and months and months, How huh, they followed this majestic star, and they were expecting to come upon a majestic scene, and then they also lost the star, and they had to go where the only place one would think to go if you were going to find a, a newborn king or a wise, and that would be King Herod's palace. Now, I remind you once again that they had already been traveling for nearly two years, but if you were going to go and look for a young king, where would you go? You would go to the home of the king, the king's palace. Palace. And of course, we know, I mean, Herod didn't know anything about Jesus. He didn't know anything about the Messiah, when he was gonna come, so what did he do? He called the scholars in, and they brought all of their prophecies and everything, and they said, yes. The Messiah is gonna be born in the town of Bethlehem, okay? So I want you to keep that little picture in your mind. We're gonna come back to it in just a moment because I'm gonna speak about the wise men again. You see, the wise men had to find the star. They had to have their hope renewed once again. And so they made their way to Bethlehem, away from the city of Jerusalem, away from the king's palace. And so the question is, is, How do these wise men turn their disappointments into a divine appointment? Actually, family, the question is, how do you and I turn our disappointments into a divine appointment? So this morning I wanna share just three thoughts with you and I really trust that this is gonna bless you. Because the first thought is this, is the wise men look for God even if, they, even if it was in a stable. You see, if the wise men had arrived on the night that Jesus was born and they had to find him in a stable, it would have made no difference because they were looking for God. You see, God's perspective is to see God in every situation. That as I look into every situation, because I'm looking for God, Guess what? I'm gonna find him right there. Amen. Okay, give him some praise. Amen. Give him some praise. See, family, we see not what we're looking at; we see what we are looking for. And the question is: This is we need to ask ourselves: Am I looking at something, or am I looking for someone? Am I looking at my circumstances? Or am I looking at the one who can change my circumstances? Now, we see the difference in actual fact throughout the Bible. I mean, let me show you just a couple of places. If you look at the life of Joseph, I mean, I I love the, the, the life of Joseph. You know, he was looking at his brothers who were mistreating him. But he was looking for the God who gave him the dreams. And so he could look at his brothers and say to them, you know what? That that you meant for evil, God meant it for good. Amen. And then you look at Job. I mean, Job, Job was looking at the fact that he lost his finances, he lost family, he lost a fortune, but he was looking for the God that he, he could praise, for the God that he could trust, so that he could say, blessed be the name of the Lord. Look at David. I mean, David is in a cave. He's looking at the cave, but he's looking for the God that is on his side that he could write, the Lord is my shepherd. I am not in want. And the apostle Paul, I mean, think about him. He's sitting in a prison cell. He's looking at the prison cell, but he's looking for the hope to write a letter to the people to say, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. You see, family, we, could, we can be looking at something, but it will not affect you because you're looking for someone. But consider this, if you are not looking for someone, what you're looking at is going to affect you. Let me say it again. If you are not looking for someone, what you are looking at is going to affect you. We can see it in the, so clearly in this example in Matthew chapter 2. I want you to go back to your picture now of the scholars, okay? So you have Herod. I mean, Herod doesn't know anything about this king that was born and where was he born? And so he calls the scholars in and they bring all their scriptures and they bring all their references and they've got it down, man. They say to him, no, this is the king and look at the scriptures, he's the Messiah and he's gonna get born in the town of Bethlehem. Now, I find this so interesting. I find it so interesting that the scholars will tell Herod, who will tell the wise men where Jesus was gonna be born, right in the town of Bethlehem. But the scholars didn't go to Bethlehem to see the Messiah. Isn't that strange? I mean, Bethlehem's not that far from Jerusalem. I suppose in those days, it was probably about a four hour stroll. But that's where the wise men went. Now, family, we're talking about scholars. I mean, they were looking at the scriptures, but they were not looking for the Savior. You can be extremely religious and still miss the Christ. You see, when the wise men came, As I said, even if they were looking at the stable, would be okay, because they were looking for the Savior. The problem is when we're looking at the stable, family, when we're looking at our circumstances and we're not looking for our Savior. Now, I wanna encourage you with this amazing scripture in Psalm 112 from verse four. This is gonna bless you, especially if you maybe, just maybe have some challenges right now. And verse four, 4 it says, When darkness overtakes him, light will come bursting in. Wow. He is kind and merciful. And all and all goes well for the generous man who conducts his business fairly. It says, Such a man will not be overthrown by evil circumstances. God's constant care of him will make a deep impression on all who see it. Family, let me say that again, listen to this. God's constant care of Him will make a deep impression on all who see it. Now, Let me say this, this last couple of years, man, this was our time as Christians. This was our time to shine you know what, We don't. it's not so much in our star time that we shine, it is through those stable times that Christians will shine the most. You see, we actually need stables in our lives because stables will drive me to God. Stables make me dependent on God. Stables make me seek God, and it's just possible that maybe we're focusing a little bit too much on being comfortable and having our own way and feeling good, and we always wanna have that. I understand that. But family, there's a bigger picture here that we need to be looking at. Have a look at verse seven. It says, listen to this. He doesn't fear bad news, nor live in dread of what may happen, for he is settled in his mind that God will take care of him. Amen? Now watch these three things. That is why he is not afraid, number one. That is why he can calmly face his foes, number two. And he gives generously to those in need, number three. Amen? It carries on and says his deeds will never be forgotten. He shall have influence and he shall have honor. Now, family, we spoke about Daniel. Remember, Daniel? We've been talking about him. How Daniel, right there, man, in his stable time, he, he 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 was in captivity in this evil nation of Babylon. And we found out that even in that time, David had honor and he had he had uh, uh, influence. Remember, we spoke about that. So, how do you get influence? How do you get honor? I wanna tell you it's in our stable times. Let's understand this. It's looking at the stable, but looking for the Savior. Our hope is not in the government. It's not in the president's next speech. What's he gonna say? Amen. Our hope is not in our own abilities. Our hope is in the blood of Jesus Christ and His righteousness. Amen, everybody. Now I want you to listen to this. Nothing is more limiting than when we require God to fit into our expectations. Hey Fanny, why would we do that? Why would we put God in a box? And again, you know, we see it so many times. Look in the Bible. I mean, we all know the story about the prodigal son, right? The prodigal son goes out there. He spends everything that he's got. Now he's got nothing. He's destitute. He's starving. He's sitting in a pigsty. I mean, can you imagine? And he's kind of sitting there wondering, my goodness, you know, back home in my dad's house. I mean, even the, the servants have got food to eat. You know, maybe I should go back home. But you know, I, I can never go back as a son. I mean, I just I don't deserve that. But I can go back as a servant. At least I'll have a meal. And I don't mind bunking in the barn. That's okay, it's not got a place to sleep. And one day he gets the, the courage and he packs up and he starts going home. And of course we know the father is standing, waiting, waiting for his son to come back and he's overjoyed and he's like, my son is home. Get the robe, put it around him, put the ring on his finger, kill the cow. We're gonna celebrate us. My son is back home and he's so excited. But here's what I want you to see, family. The father never saw his son as a servant. The son saw himself as a servant. You see, we dumb God down to our level of thinking. We want to dumb him down to our expectations. And that can change in an instant when what we look at, we see, but what we look for, we seek. See, the wise men were not at all deterred when they looked around them and they said, so it wasn't King Herod's palace. It didn't make any difference to them. See that family? Because they were looking for a savior. The second thing that we can learn from the wise men is that they give their best to God. So I wanna take you now to Matthew chapter 2 and verse 11. And this is exactly when the wise men now arrive at the house of Mary and Joseph and, and, and Jesus. And it says, they entered the house. Notice the house, not the stable. Everybody's with me, right? And they saw the child, not the infant, not the baby, right? In the arms of Mary, his mother. And so I kind of get this picture of Jesus, a little toddler running around the house and this whole entourage of people arriving. And what do you think he's gonna do? He's gonna run to mommy, right? And as they enter the house, it says, overcome. This is the wise men. They kneeled and they worshiped him. And they open up their luggage, and a lot of translations say, say they're treasuries or they treasure chests, right? And they presented the gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. Now, here's the temptation, family. The temptation is, is when finding a humble home instead of a palace that we hold back on giving our best. You see, seldom that people give their best in times of disappointments because disappointments cause me to withdraw. Disappointments cause me to negotiate. Disappointments cause me to pull back. See, when the wise men, even if they'd seen the stable, they wouldn't have said, well, gee, maybe we shouldn't open our treasuries here. Maybe we shouldn't take out the gold (laughs) and the frankincense and the myrrh, maybe we should get a bale of hay. Maybe that'll be more appropriate. Maybe it'll be more fitting. Sadly, I see it even in this church. I see people coming here and they look around and they're like, oh my goodness, this is such a big church. They don't need my tithe. They don't need my offering. Or maybe this is such a small church. What are they doing with the tithes? What are they doing with the offerings? You see, family, that's when we're looking at what we see. And we should be looking for what we seek. We seek to honor God and to carry out His word. That's what we seek to do because our problem is not our problem, you see. The stable is actually not our problem, the conditions around us are not our problem. In actual fact, our circumstances, and situations are not our problem. The problem is that we are looking at our situations when we should be looking for God. It is not what we're looking at. It's who we're looking for. God said, man is not your source. God is our source, family. We never put our hope in man. In actual fact, the Bible says that, that the fear of man is a snare. Keep our hope in God. So the third thing wise men do when they follow a star and they find a stable is they change the direction of their lives. Now we know the story and we went went to see that God had warned them not to go back to Herod because Herod had this evil plot whereby he was gonna kill Jesus, right? So they went around another way. But the point that I really want to make today is this, is that stable experiences have life changing possibilities you see if I had to walk amongst you right now I have a chat to you you guys online if I had to talk to you at your homes and if I had to say to you Just tell me something that really changed your life. I'm telling you right now, you would pull out some stable experience that you went through, some difficulty that really changed the way that you did things, something that was life-changing to you. I can tell you, family, every single time I have ever asked anybody, tell me what it was that really changed the course of your life. They've always come up with some difficult time that they've learned something, that they stretched through it, that actually pulled them to a higher level in their thinking. Nobody has ever said to me, let me tell you something. (laughs) The the greatest lesson that I learned in my life was when I was on top of the mountain, I was in the pinnacle of my success, at the best of my career, everything was going my way. No, family, the greatest lessons that we learn is not out of our star not out of our, 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 our successes, but always out of our stable time. In fact, let me just tell you very quickly the story. I mean, we all know about the story about Abram, right? In, in the book of Genesis. You can read about it in Genesis chapter 12. So here's how it goes. God calls Abram. Abram's already a mature person, okay? He hasn't had any children yet. And God says to him, I am gonna make you the father of many nations. Right, and we can read about it as I said in, in, in chapter 12. And and God says to him, you're gonna leave your family and I'm gonna take you to a destination and you're gonna be leading this remarkable group of people. And and I mean, it just sounded amazing. You know, there's this huge, huge star in the sky and, and it sounds so good. And I mean, you know, it's like Abram can't wait. And, and so he leaves his home, all right. And all of a sudden, Things are not going very good for Abraham at all. Actually, they're going pretty bad. I mean, if you read chapters 12, 13, and 14, probably take you about 12 minutes to read that. You'll you'll see that things didn't look so good. In actual fact, he gets into a famine and he has to go to Egypt. And then he looks at his wife and he's like, oh my gosh, she's a hot chick. I'm gonna have to tell some lies here because otherwise this is gonna get us into a whole lot of other problems. And we find that Abram's not doing very well at all. And then on top of that, he has family problems. That's why God said, leave the family behind. And now he's got his nephew with you and he starts fighting about land. And then he wants this better piece of land and kind of, okay, so I mean, you read it, okay? So what you find is this is, I mean, it's just problem, 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 problem. Suddenly we get to Genesis chapter 15, right? And I just love the way it starts. It says, and after these things, after these things, after problem, after problem, after problem, after difficulty, after adversity, after sin, after dark, after these things. Well, in Genesis chapter 15, I mean, something's happening here now. Abraham's kind of, whoa, God you know, and Abraham's got a question. And I mean, the question is, is the deal still on? Because I still don't have any children, haven't had any kids at all. And and I mean, now Abraham has kind of been through stable time. He's kind of really been cleaning out the cow shed and he's kind of looking at natural things. Okay, I don't have to say it. I can see you're really way ahead of me. But he's like, is the deal still on? And I just, absolutely love this because God says to Abram, Abram, come outside. You've been spending so much time in the stable. You've been looking at so many situations. I'm asking you right now, it's night time. Just lift up your face. Look into the heavens. Look at all those stars. Family, isn't that just amazing? The question is, is that when you follow a star and you find a stable, how are you going to respond? Isn't that just awesome? I mean, God, when he sees the right attitude, he's going to take you out of your stable. He is going to lift up your face again, and he is going to show you that star and the light will come bursting through the darkness. That is the God that we serve. That's the God we love. Come on, family. That is our God. God is all that we need. Let's understand that. We don't need to say, well, if I had God and I had a nice house and I had a nice car, everything would be so cool. No, we just need God. He is our all, He is our everything. We don't need a plan B, ever. I wanna close by reading you this amazing, it's, it's just from John Maxwell, these beautiful words. And what I want you to see, this is how sometimes universally, we can be looking at the wrong thing. Listen to this. A century ago, men were following with bated breath, the march of Napoleon, and waiting with feverish impatience for the news of wars. While all the while, while the wars were raging, in their own homes, babies were being born. But who could think of babies? Everybody was thinking about battles. But one year, midway between Trafalgar and Waterloo, they stole into the world a host of heroes. Gladstone was born in Liverpool. Tennyson and their Somersby rectory Oliver Wendell Holmes in Massachusetts. And on that same day, Charles Darwin made his debut in Shrewsbury. Abraham Lincoln took his first breath in old Kentucky and music was enriched by the advent of Felix Mendelssohn in Hamburg. But nobody thought about babies. Everyone was thinking about battles. And yet, which of the battles of 1809 meant more than the babies of 1809. See, we fancy that God can only manage this world with big battalions when all the while, he's doing it with beautiful babies. See, when a wrong wind needs writing, when a truth needs preaching, when a, when, when a, a continent needs opening, God sends a baby. He sends a baby into the world. Where do you find God? In the stable. If that's where you're looking for him. God is right there in the stable. He's in your difficulty. He's in your challenge. And right there, he's going to do great things. And so, family, as we approach Christmas, let us just really remember the fulfillment of this prophecy that we see in Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 7. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. The government will be on His shoulders and He shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the greatness of His government and His peace. There will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over His kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from this time on forever. The zeal of the Lord God Almighty will accomplish that. Jesus is the name. He is the baby that changed everything, family. He is the one who turns every stable experience into a shining star, full of hope, full of expectation, full of victory. He is the way, the truth, and the life. There is no other but Him. Our Jesus. Amen. Like just to ask you right now if you would just bow your heads for a moment and just close your eyes and I know that there are many here or there are some here today. I know many of you have received Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. We know He is the only way to the Father. But if you've never done that this morning, maybe you're in the service today and you're like, I've been in the stable all of my life. I just never seem to see the star. Well, that's the reason that you're hearing this message today. Because I want you to know Jesus is here. He wants to change your life. I'm gonna just pray with you in a moment and I just wanna ask this question as well. Perhaps you're here and you say, you know what, I feel so far from God. I really feel like I just can't see a star. I just feel like I'm in that stable and all I see is darkness. Well, I wanna give you an opportunity as well. Why don't you just rededicate your life to the Lord this morning? All we're going to do is just say a prayer together. Perhaps you just want to be sure that you're going to heaven one day. Well, in a moment, I'm going to count to three and then I'm going to ask you to raise your hand as well so that we can pray together. So I want to do that right now. If you want to receive Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, if you want to be sure you're going to heaven, if you want to rededicate your life to God, I'm going to count right now and I'm going to ask you to raise your hand right there where you are and we will pray with you. One, two, three, just raise your hand in the air. If you're on live stream, just raise your hand in the other venues. Raise your hand up real high so we can see where you are. Thank you, I see that hand. Thank you, Lord. You're just really working in our hearts today. We see those hands. Thank you for raising them. Thank you for raising them. I'm gonna ask everybody if you would just say this prayer after me right now. Lord Jesus, thank you that you paid the price. Thank you that you set me free. Thank you that I believe that you died for my sins and on the third day, you were raised again. And as I declare you as my personal Lord and Savior, I receive you into my life and I become saved. I am born again. I am a child of God. In Jesus name. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you for joining us during this episode of Living Life with Dr. Theo and Bev Volmerantz. We hope that through this inspired teaching, you had an encounter with God. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of Apostle Theo and Dr. Bev Volmerans and would like to enjoy more resources,